Welcome back to the September special edition of the Double Reel Film Podcast. This is the second reel of the special edition, so if you haven't listened to part one already, you need to download and listen to that before you get to this point, otherwise you're going to be pretty confused about what's going on. As you'll be aware if you already have heard the first half, this is the massively extended uncut version of the Adamson's chat about Spike Lee, Quentin Tarantino and diversity in film and the world generally. It's a sensitive topic which will explain why there are a lot of sighs, pauses and the sounds of cogs turning in people's brains. It's not because we were afraid to say what we think, rather we were taking the time to put some complex ideas into words and make sure we gave the discussion the careful thought it deserved. Now for the rest of the discussion, taking us through to our epic conclusion. So we've, we've talked about some, you know, some issues of race that have come up in other things like Tarantino and Spike Lee and, you know, for example, even something as progressive and, 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 and admirable as, as Hamilton, perhaps not being perfect because, you know, it's, it's impossible to be perfect. People have got to decide to, you know, do their best in that situation. Um, but in terms of diversity in film, uh, as, we, as we discussed previously, the diversity in film is often reflected by what happens at awards time because if lots of people of all backgrounds are making films you would hope that lots of people of all backgrounds would then be honored for their filmmaking and, and be as prominent as other people in the industry and uh, there have been discussions over the past couple of years that suggest maybe even though people are probably doing their best to remedy that that it's still not quite there yeah um yeah, I agree in the past couple of years they've tried to fix it, but I've got some numbers here relating to particularly African-American representation at the Oscars. So yep. since the inaugural Oscars, around 3,000 awards have been handed out. So that's 93-odd ceremonies, and then the amount of awards it's handed out, it totals up to 3,000. Now, out of those 3,000, 43 recipients of those Academy Awards have been black. Yeah. So... I've calculated that that's 1.4% of all the awards ever. Mm -hmm. Yet 12.7% of the American population is African-American. Yeah. So there's obviously a gross misrepresentation in Hollywood there. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, the Oscars themselves have a bit of a stained, you know, a stained history when it comes to racism. I, I cannot help but think of Hattie McDaniel's award, which she won for Best Supporting Actress in 1939 for playing the maid, um, Mammy in Gone with the Wind, which is a film that really romanticizes the slaveholding Deep South. But she was forced to set a separate table to her white co-stars, who then proceeded to fuck off to a whites-only club after the ceremony. And furthermore, the film's producer, David Selznick, omitted all black faces from the poster for the film any, being anywhere, anywhere the film's being shown in the South. And the black, yeah. cast were the black cast were banned from going to the premiere. So while I'm not trying to say Hollywood's like that in, obviously, today's society, it's to give a bit of context of how far black people in Hollywood have come, but how there's still a ways to go. Yeah. I mean, that Hattie McDaniel thing, I mean, it, it, it's shocking and it, it, it's, it's a reflection of the time in many ways. Uh, it's, it's not about film, but I think it's an, it's an interesting anecdote that, you remember the Jesse Owens, well, you don't remember, but you've heard about Jesse Owens and his achievements yeah, yeah. at the 1936 Olympics, which was meant to be a showcase for the brilliance of the Aryan people. And Jesse Owens stuck it right, right up Hitler by winning four gold medals. And clearly yeah. that was an embarrassment and people look back on it as a great milestone. And, and for black people to have a hero like that, to, to do what he did in a stadium like Berlin, he is a hero. He is someone that we should look up to and say, you know, well done, Mr. Owens. Um, but what's interesting about America at the time is for all, you know, Hitler is, you know, unanimously understood to be not someone uh, that, 
<laughs> comes out of history very well for his his yeah. racial thinking. He um he he allowed a banquet in honor of the in honor of Jesse Owens and other medal winners to go ahead with Jesse Owens as one of the guests of honor. Um, which yeah. is more than Jesse Owens got when he got back to America. And the moral yeah. of this the moral of this story is not that Hitler wasn't as bad as we think. The moral of this story was um, the way black people were treated in um, in America was was almost was almost worse than Hitler in the 1930s. Yeah. And the point if, is Hitler if wasn't people, that great, but America wasn't if, any if better. People are, if people are going to remember the history, you know, why black people might point to a history of not being treated particularly well in America, there was some significant incident, incidents like that, which um, which is probably why it's still a big subject for them. Yeah. Well, it's obviously still a big subject in 2020. Um, and I think we're going to touch on a little bit more of outside of film in a little bit. But obviously, to keep it pertaining to film right now, um, after uh, Hattie McDaniel won in 1939, I say won in quotation marks because she was treated like, you know, a piece of dirt. Um, a black person didn't win an Oscar until 1963, uh, which was Sidney Poitier for Lilies in the Field. Yep. And a black actress didn't win an Oscar for 50 years, which is Whippy Goldberg for Ghost, which she shouldn't have won for, she should have won for the colour purple. Yeah. But anyway. Um, and and she would have been the first woman to win Best Actress, uh, first uh, you know African-American woman to win Best Actress Oscar. Uh, in the end, the first and, in fact, only woman to win Best Actress is Halle Berry in 2001. So in almost 100 years, black people's or black women's you know contributions to film have not perhaps been fully reflected reflected at awards time yeah i mean ali Berry should not be the only um person of color to have won uh an oscar for best actress yeah yeah um that, that's a bit of a disgrace um yeah there's obviously a clear, there's a clear lack of representation because proportionately you would say that there's maybe more black actors and actresses than there are you know, 12% of the population, I'd say there's a little bit more than that in Hollywood, but mm. I don't feel they're fairly represented. They're not, they're not recognized for their work. Um, mm. Well, they don't, get, they don't years, get as many opportunities, I would say, you know, they're, they're in, they're in the industry, but I, I don't have the data in front of me, but they are not getting the biggest jobs. They're not being considered for the, um, you know, directors are not necessarily getting the, the biggest directing jobs and the biggest stars in Hollywood are, you know, if any black person shows up on the list of highest paid actors in Hollywood, it's they are they probably had to work twice as hard to get there than their white counterparts, and, and they won't be top. Yeah, um, I can't. Yeah, I can't think of it of a black actor that's making more money than say, you know. Oh, to be fair, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is a person of color. Um, his ethnicity yeah, has always yeah. confused me a little bit, but because um, I can't tell if he's from like Hawaii or if he's well, yeah, I mean, like, let, 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 let's preface this. If this wasn't a, an issue in Hollywood, neither of us would give a fuck what Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's ethnic background was, except out of mild interest. Where are you from, Dwayne? Oh, you've got some grandparents from American Samoa. That's really interesting. And, and it makes people yeah. have these conversations about, is, 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 does Dwayne the Rock Johnson have any black ancestry? Only because there are barriers for people like him. Otherwise, it would be like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit where well, any yeah, of people are from? But unfortunately, you have I'd... to ask that question because of what's going on. And also, to be fair, I don't actually care that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is top of the the yeah, yeah. high standards. Not really. He makes good films, and he makes yeah, good yeah, films regardless him. regardless of his skin color. I enjoy going to to a Dwayne the Rock Johnson film. Um, so yeah, but yeah, other than that, it seems like it's a bit of a normally it's your Robert Downey Juniors and you know anyone in a Marvel film or um, mm -hmm. things like that. But up, yeah, up until recently, we would regularly see any we would see ceremonies where there was not a single nomination 
um, for a black person in any of the acting or directing categories, um, which is, you know, bizarre. And it's, it's a bit of an alarming trend was that we'd only see them nominated for films about like black people going through tough times like not because oscars films can't yeah. be about people going through tough times but the, the films that stick out to me where black people got represented at the oscars are the help where you've got octavia spencer winning best sporting Act, best supporting actress viola davis nominated for was she nominated for best actress yeah and then you've got 12 years a slave which wet ledger for was nominated for best actor and then you've got best supporting actor was nominated um was a uh, one by lupita nyongo and then you've got um Uh, what was it? Fences. Fences with Denzel Washington, which, yeah. days, which is about like a family. It's obviously not them being prejudiced against. It's just like a family that it, are going it's through they're, they're, a they're tough time. They're pigeonholders doing these classically black films rather than, you know, there are some black people getting some of the big jobs just because they fancied that person for the role, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and that's not to say that I don't want to hear those stories, but, you know, there's... That shouldn't be their own, that shouldn't be their only choice can, when they're looking for the next job, right? Yeah, you can make you can make heaps of excellent films like you know you know Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know for example he's the the the, the fifth richest African American in the world just because of his shoes and like his shoe empire basically, and he's yeah. got an incredible story. Think um, things like that, and that's a story about you know the greatest basketball player that ever lived. You know, there's heaps of people that you can represent. It doesn't have to just be about you know them in the 1960s working as the help kind of thing. Yeah, and there's a comedian called Roy Wood Jr. He does the Daily Show, and he was talking about what he liked best about Black Panther. It was that was that yeah. basically it was a big successful film with lots of black people in it that was just a good exciting film. It didn't have to be about slavery. It didn't have to be about being a drug dealer in in in, in, the, in the ghetto. It was just a good film that had black people in it. And yeah, he, 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 he thought, yeah, and yeah. it's like it it's like uh, it, it's a story about a black cop. Okay, cool. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be about the black experience. And it's kind of that fine line. Yeah. On the one hand, there's this pressure on. Uh, pressure on black people people of color to represent where they're from because it, people kind of say look you're representing us all now you, you've got to make some headway here you've got to stand up for us but sometimes the best bits of progress are when someone like will smith or, or eddie murphy or uh, the two people that immediately spring to mind just get to be in the biggest film the fact that they just said beverly hills cop is about a bloke from detroit who goes to beverly hills and um ruffles some feathers uh, the, that was originally a role for a, for a white guy. And they said, well, Eddie Murphy's really big. Let's give it to him. That could possibly be one of the biggest pieces of progress that, that black people have had, that someone had a, a job in a big film and they just, let's give it to Eddie because he's big right now. Not, let's do a story about a black cop going through some shit. It's about, he's good, let's give him the job. It doesn't happen enough. But yeah. it, those, that's, if you want to have conversations about what's happening um, and, and what's, what's going well, more of that, would would be good. I know Beverly Hills Cop isn't the most earth-shaking film that, that's ever taken place, but that's actually a good sign when if more of that was happening. No, of course. And I think I agree with what you're saying that, you know, it's a film about, you know, a Beverly Hills Cop and it's, you know, it's not a film about oppression. Like, I'm not wanting, it's not that I don't want films like 12 Years a Slave and The Help and Fences to be told where, it's, you know, it's people who are living in miserable circumstances and, you know, things like that. It's not that I don't want those stories to be told, but I, I just want films like Tenet be coming out where the lead is played by a young black actor and um john david washington yeah, yeah i mean that's yeah i mean i'm sure there was no it doesn't necessarily have to be a black guy or a white guy or, or anyone doing that part and the fact that a black guy got that job is like yeah good news yeah and i i and i think will smith is the, was one and eddie murphy are the like the perfect examples of you know 
black actors who do both. You do stories about Muhammad Ali, who had a, you know, you know, he was one of the most oppressed, yeah, famous spe- black people Yeah, some specific stuff he went through, yeah. Yeah, and it was horrible, and it was purely because of the colour of his skin. But Will Smith also liked doing films like Bad Boys, and Bad Boys 2 is one of our favourite films, although it probably shouldn't be, but <laughs> yeah, we love a, it, and that's got... Two, yeah, and, and that's the thing, it's, it's a got great... two black leads, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's... And that's a film that we like to see. It has to be like a representation of both. We can't just, you know, give them an... Like, not give them an Oscar nomination for films that they're, like, they don't deserve, you know... The nomination for because if they're good in that film, they're good in that film. But it would just be nice to see more stories about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, know, the, more cheerful or happier stories and more just like you know relaxed entertainment because it feels like they only give attention when it's you know on the issue of race, which is still an important issue. Like Black Klansman, that was really good. But yeah, you know, I mean, I don't lo- want every film I see with a black lead in it to be like that. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Well, this is the thing. A, a lot of people of color and women and, and any minority that that is trying to kind of you know achieve equality they've also got bills to pay you know they've got to go and visit their grandmother this weekend they've got to go to the shops they've got a whole life to lead and they've got this whole other fucking thing to, to deal with um and they, yeah. st- they say it's very tiring and it and you know what they're actually looking forward to is to, is to say all, all i really need to do to get ahead of life is just really really work hard and do my best and hopefully get lucky like like everybody else yeah. Um, it's interesting. You're taking it back to kind of Black Panther again. Uh, Anthony Mackie, who played uh, uh, the Falcon, he said yeah. about the um, about Black Panther. He's obviously proud to be part of the film or, or, or connected to the film, although he he wasn't the main person in it. Um, he said what he did have a problem with was when I first read this one. Really, why did he have a problem with this? The um, the fact that it was almost an entirely black crew on the film, and the reason he had a problem with that is just. He, he doesn't need to go onto a film set and not see any white faces behind the camera. He would just like to walk onto right. a set, look around and go, there's a mixture of people. Isn't that good? Everyone's yeah. Here, yeah. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he felt like, it, he felt like, it, it felt like they were throwing them a bone to give lots of black jobs on that film, but not any of the others. And it's like, guys, just try and be fair to everyone on every film was kind of what he was asking for. And you can't blame him. That's, that ought to be the minimum. Um, that ought to be the minimum, shouldn't it? He doesn't want, I didn't he doesn't think want, Anthony, want Mackie, Anthony Mackie wasn't... Yeah, I don't think he's in Black Panther. May, yeah, maybe, he? maybe he's not it, but he certainly commented on it. I think maybe you know, he, he heard about the fact that it was nearly all black um, crew and everything else. He certainly, he certainly see, him who commented on it. I'm, I'm all for the best person for the job being there to do the job. And if the film's a success, then the people behind it were the people the right people for it. So if Ryan Coogler says, look, I, I want a black writer for this. I want a, I want a black person to get my coffee for this because that's just the vibe and the atmosphere he's going for. Then cool. I don't mind. If you want a white guy doing it because you think they're the best person for the job, that's mm-hmm. absolutely fine. It's this, it's the same in football. Yeah. You know, I, you want the best, the best player of the year to be the best player of the year. It doesn't matter if they're white or black. And I have appreciation of black footballers like Paul Pogba and I've got appreciation of white footballers like Lionel Messi. It's, it's one of those things that if they're the right person for the job, they're the right person for the job. And I I think that's where we're kind of delving into the realms of, you know, just have a day off. Like yeah. there are more important issues for people of colour to worry about than there are, you know, than, you know, oh sh- shit, the film in Black Panther, which is an all like set in an all African type film with, you know, almost the entire cast is black except Ulysses Claw and Agent Ross. Mm-hmm. Like, what we're gonna do, like, yo, like we should, like we should have, we should just kind of shoehorn a white person. There's plenty of white people in Hollywood. There's plenty of people that you know are in the costume and production of it all. Mm-hmm. That I think that's just that's one tiny thing. Like thousands of films get made every year. Like if Anthony Mackie's like, look, 
I think we should just have a mixture of everyone. Yeah, cool. I agree with that. But I just think, look, you know, there's people literally in America right now being shot dead by the police for being accused, no, being uh, killed by the police for being accused of having a counterfeit twenty dollar bill, and you're worried mm-hmm. that there was too many black black well, people well, in the that, production that, that's of black the thing, cancer. Like, you, yeah, I mean that that's the, the problem that gets like raised all the time. Is you, there are the stories of like women executives complaining that they didn't get the same bonus as their male colleagues, and other people say, well, you're still being paid ten times what the average person is, and it's like, well. If if everyone, yeah, well, I mean, essentially, everyone should probably have be, be involved in a conversation about equality. And I, I think I only think what what Mackie's saying is, um, he's saying you haven't solved the problem if you just give lots of jobs to black people on the black movie. You know, you shouldn't think that. Yeah. You should actually just try and give everyone a role. But I mean, what it comes down to is I mean, where this is leading is we. All, I think it would you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's not a fucking moron. Who disagrees with the idea that everyone should have a reasonable shot at getting the next job that's going or whatever, and so they work in regardless of their background. You know, the best person for the job should get the job, and there should be no discrimination. I mean, the vast majority of people would agree with that. Even even some of the people who we know are quite fucking racist admit that, and that they might not argue in a sincere way. But that's you know, most people agree with that point. The trick is, how do you get from where we currently are to that position? Do you know what I mean? Because there's well, a lot of things that people can do about it that, you, that they then get accused of. Oh, you're being politically correct, or you're kind of, um, you know, that's that's as bad as the discrimination that you're complaining about. Because you know, that then you you know, or you you run the risk of people being accused of only getting the job because they were black or a woman. And it's like, well, if we all agree that things aren't quite right as they are, and we want to get to a position where everyone's you know got an equal shot, ha- ha- what changes should we make that are fair and reasonable to, to get there? If, I mean, it's probably on the powers of us, but the suggestion would be, you know, just give more exposure. I think we touched on it um, a little bit earlier, but it's just giving the exposure to the people that are right for the job. I don't, I, I somewhat disagree with the idea of quotas because it's almost like, oh, we're just giving it to a black person, we're just giving the role to a white person. It's like, if the person's right for the role, then the person's right for the role. And it's making sure that everyone gets a fair crack of the whip and if they don't work, they don't work. And, you know, I'm confident in the majority of directors in Hollywood who are quite open-minded people. Yeah. Maybe not all of them, because I, I don't want to put you know, tar everyone with the same brush. But, you know, I would trust a Christopher Nolan to cast, to, to you know, aud- audition or offer the role to people of yeah. many ethnicities and then decide, look, this person works better for my role. You're still good. That doesn't make you a bad actor. And I, I wish you every success. And I've got the same confidence in someone like Anthony and Joe Russo. It's... Yeah, I don't necessarily know how to tackle this problem, but it's all about exposure, and making sure the right person's. Like we touched on it um, briefly um, about making sure that you know, you know, I don't like the idea of making James Bond female, but I'd happily go and see an excellent spy film with an excellent female lead. Yes, um, I don't have any problem with that. It's just I think it's it's all about. It's probably like the the studios at Hollywood. I th- yeah, you've already mentioned this that they're they're worried that yeah. they're going to lose money on it because it's a female spy or it's a black lead kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's it's two, just about being able to bite the bullet. Yeah, I mean, I think there's two fundamental issues here personally, and uh, not to go too far off track. So there's some other things you want to talk about, but the two, well, one we mentioned, which no, is I think good. there's a lot of studio executives who are they're terrified of the new thing until the new thing is the biggest thing ever, and then they want to jump on a bandwagon. And yeah. getting someone to take a chance on somebody or something new is really hard because if you if, if the only films that are getting made that are big that are Marvel 
there's already a you know a, a problem there. The vast majority of Marvel heroes are, are white, and there's a couple of, of black ones, and and that one of them's only been done on telly. Um, and if that's the only thing that that the executives will sign off on, you've got a problem. So the re the re the real thing that we need those executives to do is to give someone else a chance. So well, if someone's got a new story, try and make it. Because films are really expensive to make mm -hmm. and, and hard to get signed off and hard to get approval for, we need to find a way to make you know it, it more accessible for people to actually make the films. And it's possible that someone like Tyler Perry could make a big difference to that because he now owns a massive film studio. Um, the, 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 yeah. actual, the actual studio production facility that he's got is it's bigger than I think one or two of the, the, the traditional uh, studio facilities in, in uh, over in California. And he is, right. he's, his, his stuff has been used for everything. Like the, that Neil Armstrong film that they did with Ryan Gosling did some filming there, but also oh. you would expect, you would expect that Tyler Perry would be um, certainly put it this way. You don't want him to practice affirmative action and only, you know, have black people making films in his studio. On the other hand, if someone knocked on his door and said, I've got this really interesting script about a black main character. And there's this director here who did a couple of really good, um, um, films, you know, and, and they're a person of color. Um, this sounds really good. Do you want to do it? You'd expect Tyler Perry to not be one of the people who's going, oh, I'm not sure how that'll play in the deep South. Do you know what I mean? He'll go, well, if it's good, yeah. I'll make it. You just, and, and that can only, that can only help. And you, there are signs that there is more diversity. So part of it is trying to open that out and trying to find a way for films to be more accessible. I mean, we have Netflix, we have streaming. If, if there was a way for someone to get some money to make a film and get it out more often, the people, you know, if, if more people have the opportunity to make a film, these people are going to rise to the top because talent will rise to the top. The other, the, the other problem to that, and I have a, you know, I don't have the same experience as black people. I wouldn't claim to for a second, but I think it's interesting that one of the challenges of, um, uh, of, uh, of the entertainment industry is about how people from working class or social, you know, socioeconomically deprived backgrounds are always going to be, always find it harder. And because people of color are often overrepresented in poor areas and working class areas, they're overrepresented among the groups of people who aren't getting a shot in all sorts of industries. And the arts is definitely like that because who can afford to send their kid to drama school? Who can afford for their kid to go on an unpaid internship, making a coffee for two years at a film company before they get a chance to actually work there? Everyone else has got to go and yeah. do a job, you know, buy, do it. Um, go and work in a shop or, 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 or do something else for a living because they've got bills to pay. And opening that up would be would be a big thing. And the, I, I think you could do this for everyone and not be accused of um, of, of, of favoritism or political correctness because there's lots of working class people in the same boat. I mean, do you know how many people from my hometown, Sunderland, have won an Oscar in history? I mean, we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but it, it's Is one, there any? One, it one. one guy from Sunderland won an Oscar. It was for Shakespeare in Love as well, for fuck's sake. Oh, fuck's sake. So, you know, I've really got to bite my tongue on that one because if, if, you know, I'd, I'd be taking my own hometown out of the equation if, if we changed history so that that film didn't win anything. And it's all very well saying I'll, I'll hire anyone to be the director of photography on my next film when there's whole sections of the population that got more chance of flapping their wings and flying to the moon than getting a chance to be qualified in that job in the first place. And in America and in Britain, they always say that the arts and the media and film and television are really important exports, especially in Britain. You know, they talk about all the things that Britain's given the world and what, what we're good at. You know, these kind of Britain's quite good type, you know, promotional films that we do. The arts is always right near the top. Shakespeare, theatre, film, books and everything else. 
It's a valuable yeah. export. If it's and if it's that important, and it's certainly important to America, you think about America's popularity and influence in the world. If they've listened to American music or watched American films and all that thing, they probably quite like a lot of things about America. They certainly don't like them for their foreign policy because no one likes anyone for their foreign policy. It's really important. That cultural influence is really important. So why don't governments invest in that and say, you know what, everyone from everywhere should have a chance. This is actually an industry worth supporting because it's one of the things that we export and make money on. And if you did that, right, someone from a tough background is going to get a shot. You will suddenly find more minorities and white working class people getting a shot in these industries just by someone supporting it a bit more and not saying this is the plaything of people who are related to Edward Fox and can afford to go to RADA. Well, yeah, that's that. That's the thing. It's it's more than just Hollywood studios and directors giving actors from you know different backgrounds and you know maybe poorer backgrounds or just different ethnicities the opportunity because you you might find that people from those backgrounds aren't actually into you know, acting because of, you know, for example, we, you know, we lived in London and there are, you know, down in London, there are areas like, you know, in the East End of London that, you know, aren't, people don't have a lot of money and there's not a lot of services other than, you know, you know, maybe then like a park to go and kick a football around with your mates. And that's why football is probably so big in Britain can, you know, compared to something like the arts because, you know, it's anyone, anyone can kick a ball park. in a park has, but can anyone take part in, in a, in a, in a, a drama group? It just takes one of your mates to have um, a football and you can have an afternoon of excellent fun for free. Yeah. Whereas in, I don't know what it's like in America, but I imagine, you know, the services aren't great, you know, in the poorest of areas, but people around there won't be interested in sending their kids to acting. It'll be like, oh, can I get my kid a scholarship at college if he's good at American football, if he's good at basketball type thing? So I think it's more of of an infrastructural change. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's more of an infrastructural change. Like, yeah, there is a basketball court everywhere, but there's more of an infrastructural change, not just on the the actual film side of it, the Hollywood side of it, but, you know, and, yeah, and I know we want to talk about like things that are going on in the wider world. I mean, that would make a difference as well. I mean, if you talk about the UK for a second, the, you know, how the vast majority of people who are in in positions of, of power and importance seem to have gone to you know, you know, Eton and Oxford and, and and rich families and all that sort of thing. Eton, Harrow, Oxford, Cambridge—that's it. <laughs> the reason for that is that you know, if you if you want to go to Oxford, you can get all the A stars you want in your A levels. Let's not go into what the fuck ups they did this summer, but in a normal year, mm-hmm. again, someone, people from Sunderland are getting the grades required to get into Oxford or Cambridge. But then when they go for the interview, they say, all right, what, you know, what, what did you do in your summer for work experience? So, you know, I fucking stack shelves in a factory. Oh, oh but this mm-hmm. person over here, this person over here worked at their dad's firm of accountants. So oh, we're lucky yeah, them. My, yeah. My dad's a taxi driver. Okay. Nothing like what the fuck do you yeah, want me to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and those things, in, and then, oh, well, if you want to actually be the leader of this political party, the first thing you have to do is take an internship and, and work for nothing, uh, handing out leaflets. Oh, I'm sorry, I've got to, you know, I've got to help my mum out with the bills, so I'm, I've, I'm going to get a job doing something else. And, yeah, and that, yeah. that, opening, that opening out of opportunity to people makes a massive difference to the whole world, to every, you know, the, you know everything top to bottom. And then, and then you have people who actually understand what it's like to come from a poorer background. And, and what it takes to climb the ladder or or succeed in in your field, as opposed to oh well, why, why doesn't everyone just take an internship at the, at at, um, at this company because their dad knows your dad and 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 rise to the top that way and, and be lucky enough to be born into someone who's got three houses? Well, I, I, I would if I could, mate. 
yeah, it's it's one of those things, and that's why there's there's you know so many of the same people in the same positions. And to bring it back to you know films and that, it's like it's obviously a big solution from both sides. And I think it's just that for I think you're more likely to find someone who's a you know who is black or you know a different ethnicity to to white. They're probably more likely to just have got lucky. Not that, not not to like take away from people that have worked hard, but because of you know people coming from a poor background, you know there's not as many opportunities in the arts. But yeah, there's, fair, probably, in, there's in, probably someone as talented as the, the person who's just got the great job in the great film. They're probably a super talented person who's worked their ass off to get where they are. There's probably ten people yeah. as talented who worked their ass off who are waiting tables in in Los Angeles instead because they were unfortunately not in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, but, but in terms of representation, obviously we've 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 discussed you know Oscars. There was the year that Will Smith didn't get nominated for a concussion. Yeah. No, I think that was taken a bit differently. I don't think Will Smith was saying I should have been nominated for for a concussion. He was just sick of not seeing black people's work being you know appreciated. And I to think, be fair, I think his partner said said more about it than he did. But you could tell he wasn't entirely happy about it. Yeah. Um, but. You know, it's in recent years. They, to be fair, they have they have kind of pulled their finger out. And it is refreshing to see more nominations and winners for people of multiple ethnicities. But we just hope that it keeps going that way. Yeah, I mean, but one also, thing sorry, go ahead, mate. And there's, there, you know, seeing more films centered around ethnicities that that are more than just you know just white people is also great to see. I mean, you know, the past, other than Green Book, the like two out of the last three Oscars have been focused around you know the lives of. Black people, and even in Green Book, Mahershala Ali's in it, and he won an Oscar for it. But you know, you got Parasite winning Best Picture, you got Moonlight winning Best Picture, and they're not films with white faces in it. Um, you got yeah, Fences, was... Viola Davis won for that. Black Black Panther was a you know a huge success. Um, yeah, I think there's two things I wanted to take out of 2019 that are on that topic. I mean, obviously, it was really interesting that um, Joaquin Phoenix used his Oscar speech to say we need to be more diverse and I recognise I'm part of the problem because I'm a white bloke that's just won the Oscar but he said we need to work mm-hmm. harder and I guess if 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 you're a white person you believe in equality it's not your job to say what's right and what's wrong and what's fair and what isn't but you can at least stand up and say mm-hmm. that you know the, the good thing where everyone's treated fairly I support that I'd like to see that happen and it was good that he called that out and I, I found I found an article. If you if you'll permit me just to spend a couple of minutes, it did say there's been some improvements. It's like you said, mm-hmm. they've they've come away and and they need to to go further. But there were a couple of stats that were encouraging at least. Um, in in twenty, they they looked at like fifty fifty odd thousand characters in twelve hundred top films that were made between two thousand and seven and twenty eighteen. The percentage of characters from underrepresented racial groups have rose uh, by about seven percent. Well, no, it rose by about a third when you actually add it up. It's it rose from thirty percent okay. to thirty six percent. So there's been an increase. Um, there are more films featuring a woman in the lead than there used to be. Still not enough, but more. And you'd like to think yeah. that if you were to draw a line between, you know, the way Hattie McDaniel was treated in nineteen thirty nine and today. You yeah, would Mahershala say. Ali winning back-to-back, you know, best boring actor Oscars, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, so we've obviously moved forward. If you then look at, you know, how slow the progress was from then, okay, that's clearly a problem. But then if you look at the last 20 years, you go, all right, there's been some, you know, people called out the Oscars for being too white and all that sort of thing, but um, there has been improvement. And the only thing that says is, well, good, right? Let's do more of that. Well, whatever, whatever has happened yeah. to improve things, let's do more of that. It's only good that there'll be more... Um, 
you know, more opportunities for the right people. Um, I do remember there was a stat that, that worried me about women directors, that in, in independent films, about a quarter of independent films are directed by women, which, it, you know, obviously the nearer to 50% it is, the better, right? Um, but it's, it's better than I thought it would be. But then at the same time, the number of top-line, A-list, major Hollywood blockbusters directed by women was 4%. So what, yeah. what's, ha what's happening that, and, and some of those big blockbusters are directed by people who started independent films like Doug Lyman and, and other people like that, Soderbergh and other people like that who started out doing independent films. So why aren't women who are clearly in the game, yeah, making that leap up to um, the big films? Because I'm sure they'd love, it, love to have a crack at it, right? Why, aren't, why, why isn't it stepping up? And I think it goes back to, there's a guy in the boardroom going, well, I'm not sure about that. I don't want to bet too much of my money on that because maybe it won't play somewhere. And you just think, fucking hell. And may, maybe, Netflix, yeah. maybe Netflix is going to be the saving grace of that because Spike Lee's gone to Netflix and got a chance to make films on a bigger budget than before. And he said, thank God for Netflix. And, and Netflix are the ones who gave um, Scorsese the money that he wanted to make the Irishman. He said he's found it hard to get money for his films. So... Maybe we're going to see. Maybe we're going to see more of that now that there are opportunities open up to make films in different ways. Hopefully, possibly, but just I just want to make the point that it's you know it's there. There's probably a lot of people out there that are like oh like a lot of racists that you know are worried that you know we're going to see the extinction of the white race and that's just not not it. Just because we want to see more films with black people, it's you know it doesn't mean I don't want to see another film about a white person before any like tubs of drippy gammon have a racially motivated coronary like you know it's you know it's it, we want to see more from everyone whether it's you know a, a female lead or it's a lead with you know you know a black guy is you know the main actor like it's it's just we want to see more representation from everyone and you know yeah maybe netflix is the, the person to like start kicking that forward but who knows hopefully yeah i mean it's it's interesting i think <laughs> There's a lot more media. There's a lot more. There's a lot more opportunity to go around. I think if people do this, there's a there's a, a website. Well, it's actually a yeah, it's a website, but they do also a podcast called Cracked. I did some really interesting things that say if if you look at the 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 greater degree to which equality has has happened, you know, more rights for women, more rights for people from working class backgrounds, more rights for black people. You can track uh, an increase at the same time in innovation and average GDP and they even were able to prove that test scores went up in schools that desegregated in America. It's like, it's, it's a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Do you want the next, you want the person to be doing an operation on your, on your fucking balls when you go to hospital to be the only person who could afford the tuition? Or do you want it to be someone from whichever part of the world who happened to be good enough to pass the exams? That's what equality means. It doesn't mean you're yeah. getting less. It means there's, there's going to be more of everything. You know, more films by more people or more entertainment and content by more people. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and if, the, and if the operation is, sorry, if the operation is performed by a white guy and it means that, you know, that I get better, then I don't care as long as, you know, it's, you know, there's a fair representation, you know, throughout. Which Yeah, this is, is the yeah. thing. When you have these conversations about whether gay people should be the ones who play gay parts or trans people want to play gay parts and so on, it wouldn't be a conversation if everyone was had a, had a chance to get in any part. Do you know what I mean? So it's not yeah. about saying, I only want that person to get that part. This will all become a lot less of a conversation when we see the barriers just slip away and all of this nonsense just stops being a problem. Yeah, I personally don't care if a gay or a trans person plays that part or if a gay person plays a straight uh, straight character like Neil Patrick Harris did in um, How I Met Your Mother. Like, If they're good in the role, they're good in the role. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I don't care. 
I mean, it, it, I tell you, I, I touched on it yesterday, and I wanted, I wanted to go into it again. Uh, sorry for the, for the benefit of the audience. We've done this recording over two days, just we wanted to give uh, justice to the topic. But I've touched on it before, where forty-seven um, percent of tickets are being bought by women, even though they're not really the demographic that, that Hollywood plays to. And I just wanted to go back to that because th there seems to be this continuing attitude in films that their audience is just teenage boys. Yeah. And, and it and it really isn't because the film audience is aging. I mean, there's a lot more people with uh, with disposable income who are over fifty who who want to go and see films, and you know there are you know, a lot more women want to go go and see films. And e even then, if you know, look, you were a teenage boy more recently than I was, mate. The average teenager yeah. today is is consuming a lot more different media these days. There's gaming, there's YouTube, there's various other types of social media, and it's it's odd that the people in the marketing still think that their their target audience is 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 teenage boys as if they've got nothing else to do with their time. We should be um, they, they, they they if their survival probably depends on them broadening their appeal, given all the different media media that's available these days. Yeah, I mean. I guess I didn't really notice. I think I just wanted to go and see films when I was, say, 16, 17. I just wanted to go and see the film because, you know, I was interested in doing them. And I, but I do think there's a there's a certain, you know, desire from everyone to go and see the new film. That Okay, films aren't for everyone. Like, I wouldn't expect Mum to, you know, be excited to go and see, you know, the, the next Spider-Man film. But there's something in the cinema for everyone. Like, you yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but, if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk about diversity in film. I know this isn't ethnic diversity, but I mean, if you remember, there's been a few more old school directors complaining that the only film you get to make these days is is a Marvel film. So, and and it's not to say that that's 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 the kind of diversity we need to worry about. But if 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 the more you get to the top of the industry, yeah, the more you get to the people who are about to spend large money on large films, if they're only interested in making one type of film for one type of person. That that mindset is probably part of the problem, isn't it? You need them to be more open to more stuff, of of, of a more variety coming yeah, out. I think right? I think that's a really I don't know. I feel that's a bit narrow minded. I feel like the people that make those films are they're owned by Disney and Disney owns Star Wars. And if you want to go and see a Star Wars film, you go and want, you'll want to go and see a Star Wars film. Whereas this year I've seen 1917. I saw The Gentleman. Um, you know I saw, you know just before Christmas I saw, um. I can't, Star Wars. So if a film's on that I enjoy, I think it's just because I've got a wide variety in taste of, you know, films. But, you know, not, not every film's going to be for everyone. And I personally don't feel like every film's a superhero or a Star Wars film because, you know, I, I, I saw Parasite. I've watched Black Klansman recently. Um, but on the same, the same breath, I'm excited to see a blockbuster like um, Tenet. It's, you have to make different films for everyone. And Unfortunately, the the way things go, more people are going to be more excited to see a James Bond or a, a Star Wars yeah. or you know one of those films. But that you yeah. know that doesn't mean you know films like you know like Black Klansman aren't good or aren't enjoyable. It's just that's a smaller film. Yeah. You know, audiences don't take in films that are a bit you know not boring, but they're not as slow and they don't have as much action and explosions and things like that. That's just the, just the way the way films work. We're not. I don't think it's fair to what to change that like or. Mm -hmm. You know, force a change on that. If someone wants to go and see the film because it's good, then people want to see the film's good. I don't think I'd ever want to watch Parasite um, if I was like a sixteen-year-old kid because yeah, I just want to see films that are like thrilling and you know, 
you know, yeah. have explosions. But, you know, maybe when I get a bit older, I'll be into watching Parasite. Like, I've got my, my cousin, Keenan. He loves, like, all the Spider-Man films, but I wouldn't expect him to sit through and watch Parasite. That's just because he likes those certain types of yeah. films. People are allowed yeah. to have, a, like, a preference. No, fair enough. Yeah, fair and enough. I, I mean, when it's, those, it's still the same. Sorry, mate, go ahead. Sorry, when, when those films are more popular, obviously the studios are going to make them. But I think what we're finding is that they're just trying to make money now. So, you know, the last Star Wars film was absolutely terrible. And if anyone listening disagrees, then I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Because um, they, they were terrible. And they were just there to make an extra five and a half billion pounds for Disney. So maybe that'll make Disney rethink about how they produce more films. Probably not. They're probably just going to make another fucking Star Wars film. But, you know. Yeah, look, I mean, the, one of the, the, the recurring themes on, on this podcast is there is a lack of imagination in the Hollywood boardroom. Um, and they keep trying to make the same film every time. I mean, we're interested in kind of remakes and stuff like that, because I actually quite like the Marvel films, and I don't have a problem with sequels and franchises if the films are good. It's, it's, it's a lack of imagination and a lack of openness that bothers me. And frankly, what we've talked about in terms of more people, you know, Tyler Perry having his own studio, more women being at the top of the game, you know, more women getting to make films and direct films, and more people from different backgrounds getting to make films, will hopefully solve that problem o- o- over time. Eventually, someone is going to say this main character is gay and I'd be like and sure yeah is the film any good and yeah. hopefully that that, that in, in the long term just opening it out to more new interesting stuff and I think I think that's the answer if it's new and it's interesting and it's different and it's original it should get a shot and and, and, and everything else will probably be healthier as a result right yeah well then if if Hollywood Studios continue to make the same Pirates of the Caribbean 20 and you know, Star Wars 65 and things like that, then, you know, search, search out films yourself because you can't expect the Hollywood studio to make uh, a film that isn't a blockbuster film because they are trying to make more inclusive characters. You know, there there's hints that Captain Marvel might have a female partner or female lover, sorry. And, you know, there's hints that Valkyrie from the Marvel Universe. So they're, they're definitely inclusive, trying to be more inclusive with characters, and they're hinting at it and progressing forward with it as the times progress. But if you feel like all the films you see in the cinema or the films that you can go and see at your big multiplex cinema are Marvel films, then, you know, like in Aberdeen, we've got... Watch, watch um, something else. We've got The Bellman, and they always put on, like, you know, great little independent films. So, you know, you got you. got it's down to the audience to broaden their horizon. Because if a film makes you $2 billion because it's the same film that they made last time, then I can't... I can't Fault them for wanting to make it. The, the the aim of the game is to make money. So if you, sure. if you yeah, want to I mean, uh, you're right. The, the audience obviously should. Well, that's that's why what would be really interesting is there is a lot more streaming of film nowadays, and I bet that means people will watch all sorts because it's in the living room. You can click through, and you go. You don't have to say, oh, you know, I find it hard to park at the independent cinema. Let's just watch something that's at the multiplex. If it's streaming, right, it's there and it's there on your telly for you to for you to for you to select. And I think what would be interesting is what I'd like to see happen. And I know we're getting off ethnicity, but I think this this does speak to diversity. Is Netflix to actually engage a little bit more in in the way film works because they don't release like ratings for their for their films, like view, viewing figures for their films very much, and a lot of their films don't get always get a proper showing in cinemas. And I think if Netflix did do that, if Netflix actually released their numbers and said, here's all the films that got shown last year, we actually showed them in the cinema and a lot of people went to see them, and here's the figures and the ratings for this streaming, I reckon you would see people's um, viewing habits were quite diverse. And then the next time yeah. someone says, well, I'm not sure if a black gay woman you know, is the lead in a film um, is the right thing, they can say, guys, 26 million people streamed that film last year. 
you know, a film like that yeah. last year, you should give it a crack because, you know, it's, it's, you know, knowledge is power, information is power and opportunity and, and, and giving it a chance. So if someone like Netflix engaged a bit more with, with cinema like that, you know, actually showing their films and showing their ratings, I think that would be, that would be really cool because otherwise it's, it's, it's never going to quite come to light in a way that's helpful. So yeah, we've talked about you know we've talked right. about Spike and, and and Quentin and how that uh, and how that um, panned out, and we've talked about how we'd all like to see a bit more diversity in film, mainly because it would make the film world the, the more diversity is, the more interesting it is, right? The more you know, the more opportunities to explore different worlds. Um, but obviously, we, we briefly mentioned it that what happens in film is usually a reflection in some way of what's happening in the world. You can't ignore what's happening in the world right now, can you? No. Um... Yeah, you can. I mean, obviously, I am. I'm a white twenty three year old living in Scotland, so I, I I've never been racially abused. Um, and there's some discussion as to whether a white person can be racially abused because of the the history that is behind racial abuse towards black people. But to put it this way, I've never been made to feel bad because of the color of my skin. You know, I've never been picked on because I'm a white person. Um, yeah. And even even more so, you know, you're hearing more and more stories about the police brutality in America and like you know black parents having to sit their kids down and say, look, if you get pulled over by a police officer, make sure they can see your hands, you know, say, you know, be polite, you know, answer every question, you know, etc. you know, don't insult them, don't be, you know, things like that. Because they're trying to save their life. Now, yeah, I'm proud that you and my mum are my parents and I pride myself on having you guys, you know, give me the, you know, the childhood and the, you know, the teaching that I needed, but you never had to sit me down and say, look, James, will the police pull you over, you know, keep your hands out, make sure they don't kill you kind of thing. You know, I've, Obviously, I work in a in a supermarket that you know you know we have the police in you know you know a couple of times a month for like shoplifters and stuff like that, and outside of that, I've only dealt with the police once, and it was when I was driving past um, you know the big Tesco in Aberdeen. Yeah. I was driving past there, and it was about half ten at night, and usually I'd just seen the light turn green just as the exit to go into Tesco, and it's just turned green. I thought, oh cool, I'm about five seconds away, but because it was half ten at night, the filter came on. So it was literally as as I looked like down at the um to check my speed, I'd look back up and it had gone to orange. And by this time, I'm already at the kind of junction, and I kind of ran it. It was still orange, but I kind of ran it, and it just turned red as I passed the lights. I'm like, shit. Yeah. I looked to my left. There's a police car there. I'm like, oh you fucker. So basically, you drive about another two minutes, then he pulls me over, and he was really sound. He not he rolled he rolled down my window. I wrote them a window, and he was like, look, I'm not a traffic officer, but you know, you ran that one quite close. We're all guilty of doing it. And I said, yeah, sorry, I drive this road all the time. I saw the light come on. I, I presumed like it was, you know, you know, daytime and you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change on me so quickly, but the filter obviously came on. He was like, look, cool. Um, just take it easy. And that was it. And it was really sound. It was a really, you know, chill interaction, but I can't help but think, you know, if I was a black person, especially living in America, how much fear how I different would have. Would that, for how different would that have been? Because that's what happens. That's what happens to two two black people in America. They'll be they'll be just sitting there in their car. There was a um you know there's stories. I've got I've got their um a link to just you know go over their names and the stuff that went that has happened to them. But it is simply innocuous stuff. A guy was shot because he was accused of having a gun. It was his mobile phone. Um, guys just sitting in the car. The officer asks him to get his license out. He goes to get his wallet. I've seen the video of it. It's a horrible video. He goes to get his wallet out to get his license out. The officer says he's pulling out a gun. He shoots him dead with his wife filming the entire interaction. I don't want to bash the police because the experiences I've had with the, the police here, they've been very chill, especially at work where we've had you know people kicking off and being threatening and stuff like that. They've been really nice. But for for a black person, you know, they're, 
especially in America and, you know, somewhat in the UK because there's, you know, there's appalling attitudes towards, you know, especially migrants right now. I've been reading some comments and like articles by the Daily Mail. There's a clear attitude change for that that is needed towards people of ethnic backgrounds so everyone gets treated the same. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think we're all lucky that we, we operate in a slightly different way to America. I mean, America, the police force seems to be completely militarized. And I've seen videos mm -hmm. of them like training the police, which is say, you've got to be prepared to kill if you're in this job. And it's like, mate, you're not in a fucking army. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And the, and the way they're, they're right. riot, riot control involves tanks. It's like, okay, I mean, our riot police don't fuck about, but they manage to defuse situations. And I speak to somebody, van. you know, <laughs> yeah. And I've, you know, I, I come from a part of the world that is, you know, has got some long history of being pissed off with the way the police treated them in, in crowd control situations. But we should all be, we keep it in perspective compared to America. But there are still some things where, They've like, you know, black people in a car and they've kind of stood there with uh, batons and kind of dragged them out. And, and the, the people inside have noticed. It's interesting how I st got stopped once in four years when I drove my old Ford Fiesta. But when I got did a little better in, in life and bought a Mercedes, I get stopped, you know, twice a week, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I'd just like to, if, you, if you'll allow me, I want to talk about some of the there's an article it's just called know their names uh, black people killed by police this is just by police this isn't even racial prejudice you know by the system which i want to kind of talk to touch on but obviously george floyd um, yeah. do you know what he was accused of doing it was a it was a it was either a bad check or a fake 20 dollar bill he was allegedly tried to use a counterfeit 20 dollar bill as a result he was handcuffed on the ground and officer derek chauvin knelt on his neck for eight minutes and 40 seconds despite him re repeatedly saying i can't breathe he then Kept his knee on his neck even when he was unresponsive. Um, the two autopsy reports listed Floyd's death as homicide, although they gave different causes. And the action taken was all four officers were um, were fired. And Chauvin faces the charges of second-degree murder, and the other officers are charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder and manslaughter. The point is, that should never have happened. Um, yeah, I mean, by all accounts, terrible. he was he was high or drunk and was a bit obstreperous when they arrested him. But again, you would expect the police to be trained in non-lethal ways to handle that. Yeah, that doesn't matter. Like every night I've been out in, you know, I've been out on, there's heaps of drunk people that get dealt with by the police and they get dealt with appropriately and they get either taken home or they get sent on their way and they don't get killed. Then there's Brianna Taylor. So th this one, she was, she was 26 years old and what she was doing, she was asleep at home. Um, how she was killed, Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were sleeping when three plainclothes officers at, arrived at their apartment to execute a search warrant uh, in a drug case. They believed it was a break-in, and Walker called 911 and fired his li licensed firearm. Taylor, who was unarmed, was shot eight times. And wasn't, that because, wasn't that because her ex-boyfriend had been arrested for something? It was someone she I, wasn't even with anymore. My, 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 my memory of that case was that she'd been going out with a guy she was a nurse. She was like a person who does a you know respectable job. Yeah, in she the was world. A, I think she was a medic, a paramedic, or something like that. But yeah, yeah she and was... and she she was going out with a guy. He was a deadbeat. She dumped him, and this is some time later. She's with someone different. She's left that guy <laughs> behind because he's a prick. But because they've arrested him, they basically called up all his, you know, known associates and raided a house armed in the middle of the night. Well, so they you, believe you would have thought. Breaking. You would have thought, yeah. It's madness. They believed it was a break-in and a boyfriend fired his licensed firearm and then I don't know what happened to Kenneth Walker, whether he was killed and they've shot him because he had a licensed firearm. But Taylor, who was unarmed, was shot eight times. 
eight they, times. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they seem to like empty every fucking clip that they've got whenever disgusting. they're dealing with a situation like this. It's fucking and The officers involved in the incident were reassigned pending the results of the investigation. So they weren't arrested. They were just reassigned. They were just sent to another precinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a Tatiana Jefferson. I'm sorry, it was, took me a while to try. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But yeah. she was at home and she was killed by a police officer who shot through the Jeff- shot Jefferson through the window of her home in the presence of her eight-year-old nephew. The police responded to a call from a neighbor who reported that Jefferson left the front door open. The door, the front door's been left open, so they shot at her through the window with her nephew present. Stephon Clark, 22, standing in his grandmother's backyard. Officers said they believe Clark was holding a gun and they shot him more than 20 times. He was holding a mobile phone. Uh, Botham Jean, what he was doing, he was sat at home on his sofa eating ice cream. Jean was shot by an off-duty police officer, Amber Geiger, after she entered his apartment, believing, she said, that it was her apartment and that he was a dangerous intruder. So she went to the wrong flat and shot the guy. Philando Castile, pulled over at a traffic stop. Yeah, this is the one, I think this was the one I was talking about. Pulled up, police dash cam video of a traffic stop shows a police officer shooting Castile seconds after he informed that he had a legal firearm. So it's a different one. Castile's girlfriend, Diamond Reynolds, who was in the car along with her four-year-old daughter, captured the aftermath on Facebook Live. The officer was acquitted of second-degree manslaughter and the city, the city agreed to a $3 million settlement with Castile's mother. There's heaps of stories like this. Alton Storing, selling CDs and DVDs. You know, he didn't have a gun on him. It's This list goes on and on and on and on and on and on. It's disgusting. I obviously don't have a grasp of it. I mean, obviously, being across the pond from them, we we think they're fucking insane. We think they're 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 all mental for insisting on having guns and insisting on having police officers that are clearly racist or don't know what the fuck they're doing if they aren't racist. It it, it makes me really sad, and you know, because these people are you know they are human beings and they don't they don't they don't deserve to be treated like that and the the only common denominator in all of these cases is that they they were black people and if you were to replace every situation with a white person say a white person used a counterfeit bill is that person going to leave that scenario dead no what happens what happened to um Dylan Roof the guy who shot up the church full of black people in Charleston massive neo nazi oh they no. made sure he got they made sure he survived to see his day in court didn't they they went round to his house they arrested him you know they made they, you know they were practically friendly with him and he he got prison. Did he get the lethal injection to get the death sentence? But the point is, they didn't shoot him dead on the spot. A black person can be sitting on his sofa eating fucking ice cream, and he can be shot by an off-duty police officer going into the wrong fucking apartment. It's, it's yeah. an attitude change. It's a complete and utter attitude change. Like, and I'm, I'm not going to criticise. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to criticise the police for being friendly with the person they've arrested because they are, you know, they're trying to get him quietly into the back of the car. The issue is the way they treat one person versus the other. The amount of school shooters that, if they don't kill themselves, won't be shot dead by police is disgusting. Raymond Cruz, the guy who shot up the school in Florida, Parkland, wasn't shot dead because he was white. You have a complete and utter attitude change, completely change the police force so that they try and de-escalate situations no matter what their skin color is. And if it comes to it that no matter, like, they tried their best to de-escalate the situation and the guy pulled a gun on them, okay, fair enough, but you should you should be applying the, the attitude of de-escalate the situation regardless of skin colour, and if someone gets killed, then that is a terrible loss of life, but it was the only thing that they could do after trying every other possible route to get the person to not do that. You know yeah, I mean? right, and, and and this is the thing, is if you want to talk about what Trump's doing, Trump is deliberately trying to prevent an Obama law getting through, which would increase the opportunity for people in poorer neighbourhoods to get affordable housing in suburban neighbourhoods. And the, re- 
right. Yeah, and the the reason the reason stuff like that you know is is important is that if you live in a poorer neighbourhood and it's overcrowded and full of people who can't afford to be anywhere else, and some of those people can get a house somewhere else, those people have an opportunity to to succeed in a in a, in a maybe better neighbourhood, and the neighbourhood they're leaving is. You don't want flight from the cities, but you could do with there being, you know, more, you know, less overcrowded, you know, uh, apartment blocks in the cities and more people in decent housing in the suburbs. You're actually going to see both of those areas better off. And yep. the reason Trump doesn't want to do that is because it will help black people more than anyone else, because there is mm -hmm. actually a huge amount of housing discrimination in America. They, they do this every year. They do this review every year. And, you know, they go in and they send in a white bloke in a suit and a black bloke in a suit to to, to inquire about a, an apartment to rent. And in a disturbing number of cases, they say to the white guy, yeah, come and have a look. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 800 a month. And then the, uh, the, the black guy turns up and they go, oh, it's already been let. And they, they, they got a statistic that said a black family to, um, who, that lives in a, 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 a nice neighborhood, yeah, a neighborhood that's kind of got good schooling and, and, and better funding for services and all of the better opportunities, on average, has to make twice as much money as a white person who's made it into that neighborhood because of the level of discrimination that is physically put in their way to achieve that. So any black person who, you know, who wants to participate in the American dream, by the way, have a decent job, make a bit of money, get an education, get an opportunity for their kids, they have to work literally twice as hard as a white person to do it. And... Mm -hmm. um, and even when they've done that, they could still get shot by for you know having a pool party or for accidentally leaving their front door open or, or or just happening to be in the area when a policeman decides it's time to shoot someone. It's like you 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 should not expect your streets to be free from fucking trouble if that's how you treat a large part of yeah, the population. It's, it's it's horrible. Like and. and I'm probably about to go on a bit of a rant, but if you'll allow me, um, it annoys me when people talk about all lives matter. When they, and if someone says black lives matter, they say, oh, but don't all lives matter? It's like, get in the fucking bin. Of course all lives matter, you fucking imbeciles. That's why we start giving a shit about black lives, you fucking bandits. That's like slashing, that's like someone slashing the tires on your car. So you phone someone to get some new ones, then your neighbor, who definitely isn't called Keith, and definitely doesn't have a rights for whites, England for England in his Facebook bio, comes storming out, calling in one hand, Tommy Robinson's book in the other. He says, what about my tires? Don't all tires matter? Yes, yeah, Keith, yeah, yeah. all tires do matter, but your tires are fine. You're not damaged, you fat fuck. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's never it's come the away with points scoring from racists. It's the fire brigade analogy. Is if you call up because your house mm. is on fire, the fire brigade doesn't say, hey, all houses matter. They say, Oh, okay. We'll help you because your house is on fire. The, the one, the one thing to add to this is, and I've, I've uh, and, and I do think this is a fair comment by people who, who are being sincere. We, you know, I certainly have to acknowledge the fact that I have some privilege. I've, I've been lucky. You know, while I come from a working class city, I've benefited from a, a degree of social mobility that other people didn't get at the mm -hmm. time. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a white man who most people would class as, as, as middle class, and, I, and I'm quite lucky as a result of that. So I have to acknowledge that I have some privilege. Um, but when you talk about the question of white privilege, I do think it's a fair point that has been made to me that it's interesting to see people refer to someone who's grown up in a mining village in the northeast of England that hasn't seen a new job created in 35 years and call them privileged. Um, but I think that and the whole all lives matter and all of, a lot of these counter arguments, it's a function of the good old fashioned divide and conquer. Because what this really is about, 
is is while we have a system that thinks it's okay for some people to get totally fucking shafted while other people have more than they will ever need you will always have a problem and it's always very interesting that they argue or try and create arguments between less well-off white people and um, black people instead of those white people and and uh, and people of of, of color um, seeing that they're actually on the same side of that argument. Do you see yeah, what I mean? That's that's yeah. I see the point you're coming from. Is you, I think you're trying to say that you know people that who are of a white background, say in the northeast of England, who are being told they have white privilege when literally they've seen you know the conservatives tear that part of the world to pieces and it's are you trying to say like it's a bit rich oh no they're probably going to find it a bit rich for people to say they have white privilege when you know they're struggling just as much as say a black person is because we yeah i would would say so i mean the thing is this is why when i talked about um you know diversity in hollywood i mean there are black people and white people who are in exactly the same boat yeah and the um they be, they, they're living in an area that doesn't invest enough in schools. They live in an area that is seen as being fucking scum. And some people are seen as scum because they are, you know, seen as working class and chavs or, or neds, as they say in Scotland. And some people are seen as scum because they're, they're, they're black and urban and they're actually in the same boat. So it's a bit unfair to refer to all white people as being privileged. And the fact that more black people are, you know, proportion as a proportion of the, of the their overall population are in that position compared to white people is a fair point, but that the group of one group of people that you shouldn't be penalizing for that are the white people who have also been left behind by our society. It's a fair point to me. And I think that should be followed up with the point that we're all fighting against the same evil, which is, you know, Western governments. You know, yeah, yeah. Are, greed, greed, are, inequality and exploitation. Yeah. They are the ones that are perpetuating the idea of, you know, the poor get poor and the rich get it's rich. The, yeah, it's the old parable that, that there's a, a, a rich a rich person, a, a working class white person and, and a, a black immigrant sitting around a table and a, a cake on a plate arrives at the table and the rich man takes cuts it into 10 slices, takes nine slices for himself, turns to the white working class guy and says that immigrant's trying to take your slice of the cake. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Completely agree. And basically the point is they're trying to peddle that idea of having that resentment towards the people that have nothing. Um, yeah. to turn their resentment away from the people that have everything. Um, yeah, if you, and if look, the, they'll, hope, they'll hopefully come a point that, you know, that, look, there is a political element to the Black Lives Matter. There's a political element to everything, but the grievance that people have is real and the problems that, that people are highlighting are real. And, you know, my optimistic heart says, let's hope that at some point all the people who are being treated unfairly look at each other and go, we're not fucking standing for this anymore. Yeah, it's you, a systematic me, change. You, me, them, we are the ones who should, you know, we're the ones who do all the work. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not your enemy. You know, you know, we can all be positive and say you don't have to treat, you know, pe- you know, the, 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 the rich as the enemy either, but you say, you're, I'm not your enemy. I'm going to go and take what's mine and we're, 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 we together are going to take our share is what we hope comes out of this. Yeah, well, if if you'd let me, I want to talk about a story that's happened relatively recently because it's important. Sure. Um, and but basically, I, I've just kind of said that what's happening with Black Lives Matters now. It's it's now becoming a point scoring thing for racists. So you've got All Lives Matter, you've got Blue Lives Matter. Now, what happened? Something happened on Sunday, the 9th of August. So about what's the date today? The twentieth. So eleven days ago, um, five-year-old Canon Hanant was shot dead by 25-year-old Darius Sessoms. Um, now, Darius Sessoms is a black guy and uh, Cannon Hunt is a white guy. Now, this is obviously a terrible crime. 
Um, and the, the culprit deserves to rot in hell for, for shooting a five-year-old kid. The five-year-old kid was just, he was just on his um, family drive, sorry, family's driveway riding a bike and daddy says him shot him dead. Allegedly, obviously allegedly, but he's been charged by the police. But what's happened is, is the right wing in America is taking this horrific act of murder to hit back at Black Lives Matter because Cannon was white and the person charged with his murder is black. And they're saying, you know, the media is not reporting about it. Um, you know, this is, it's meant to the argument that tends to focus on is that no one reporting the death of Cannon because he's not black, which is, you know, it's fucked up for many reasons because this his death has been reported. I heard about it. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, it was it was shared everywhere. There's been a GoFundMe that's been set up about £750,000, you know, for the family. I don't know if that's to cover legal costs or whatever that's for, but that's been set up in memory of the kid. I saw that. I saw that across the pond in Britain. Yeah. So that whole, it's not, it's not being spoken about because he's not black is bullshit. And two, they're using a kid's death in a point scoring jibe towards Black Lives Matter because... Black Lives Matter started protesting because they're sick of people being murdered by police. You're allowed to be outraged by the death of innocent people regardless of skin colour, the same way you can be appalled by the crimes of people that, that people commit regardless of skin colour. So Absolutely, and I think it's... Um yeah, I think I completely agree with you. So there's just a little bit more, but just uh, furthermore, like the facts of the incident are, Cannon was murdered while riding his bike on a family driveway. The next day, the police arrested Sessoms and charged him with the crime and said he killed him. He's currently incarcerated while awaiting trial. He's got no bail. So the system has done its job. It's a heinous and unforgettable crime was committed. The culprit was promptly arrested, faces trial without bail. So... While I would rather Cannon Hanat was still here and still alive to enjoy his childhood, when the crime was committed, the steps were taken. Police arrested the guy. He now faces trial. Breonna Taylor shot the murderer, shot her, and are, have just been assigned. They haven't been arrested. So rather than acknowledge that, you know, obviously, rest in peace, Cannon Hanant, or Cannon Hanant, I don't know how to his name, but rest in peace, Cannon. Obviously, you know, he was killed by a, a horrible psychopath, but the system has done its job. Now, what we want to see is the system doing its job for everything else, rather than scoring point scoring yeah, a yeah, by yeah, being on the right, right wing. Yeah. Like rather than being, oh yeah, you know, you know, what about this? This kid was shot because he was, and no one's reporting, but because he was black. It's like the guy's been arrested. He awaits trial. Now let's focus on the guys who shot Breonna Taylor, the people that the and, people and, that and, murdered and, George and, and Floyd. Seem to be getting away with it. Yeah, like. I cannot, that's how fucked this situation is. They're now using a kid's death to like point score. It's like, look, we're all, like, we should all be on the same side because the right wing in America obviously aren't on the same fucking side, but we should all be on the same side saying, look, there are some really horrible people in positions of power committing these crimes and not doing anything and nothing's getting done about it. We should all, be, rather than be like, oh, tit for tat using a kid's death against Breonna Taylor, against the Black Lives Matter movement, rather than do that, just, you know, we've got, we've got to get behind it and, Get equality for everyone. Sorry, I, I know I spoke for about five minutes. No, there, no, no, you know, you're quite right. And the thing is, it, it's like saying, right, black people are mistreated in this way. If someone else says, yeah, but what about white people who are mistreated in this way? You say, okay, let's tackle that as well, not instead. Yeah, not mental. use that as an excuse. Not Don't use that problem as an excuse to not look at this problem. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the, it's, it's, there's so much, you know, people who think that all the, the, the answer, they want to win Twitter. You know, it's like there is so much, and you know that we we could talk for another five hours about this. How there there are people trying to stir up this problem. There's fucking Russian bot farms that are creating half of these arguments. There are so many people out there who want the world to be a worse place that it just places a, a, a bigger onus on anyone who wants the world to be a better place to say, all right, we might have a bit of an uneasy relationship here, 
But if you're on the side of things being better and people being treated well, let's find some common ground on that rather than fucking tell each other to fuck off. Yeah, absolutely. You would hope. So I think we've I think we've given that a decent stretch there, mate. Yeah, we've tied it in quite nicely, you know. That's all for this month's special edition of Double Reel. Thanks to all you dedicated completists who tuned in, and thanks to James Adamson for his contributions to the chat. The next regular episode of Double Reel will be released on October the 18th with all your favourite nerdy film content. There will be another special guest conversation among the features. This time the Adamsons will be tackling the controversy between Martin Scorsese and the Marvel franchise and what it says about the state of films today. This episode was recorded on Anchor FM and edited and mixed in Audacity. Anything that sounded good was down to them, and anything that sounded crap was down to me. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod, which closes out the podcast. That's all for now. See you next time. Bye.